What's up, guys? Before we get into this episode with Bryce, I first want to tell you about our sponsor, Kraken. With Bitcoin trading at all-time highs, it is now time for you to get off zero and add an allocation to your portfolio. Kraken is the best exchange in the world for buying and selling Bitcoin and other digital assets. Once your account is funded, you can instantly buy, sell, and trade 50-plus cryptocurrencies. As you build your portfolio, you can even go deeper with Kraken's more advanced features. You can earn extra rewards by staking cryptos, buy and sell the latest DeFi tokens, and stay on top of market opportunities with free daily research and monthly reports. Whether you're testing the waters or diving in, Kraken has the tools you need. Even better, they're also the industry leaders in security, so you'll know your crypto is safe and secure. Bryce and I are big fans, and you should go try them out. Head on over to Kraken. Kraken.com, K-R-A-K-E-N.com, Kraken.com. All right, let's get into this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Capital University, the number one business podcast in the world. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give the podcast a five-star rating, subscribe, and leave a review. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We have a very special guest today. If you guys are interested in power stuff and uh, laws of manifestation and everything, this is going to be an interesting podcast for you. Pop, you want to introduce him? Absolutely. Guys, today we have a six-time international bestseller, Robert Greene. He wrote books like The 48 Laws of Power, The 33 Strategies of War. He even wrote a book with 50 Cent. Yeah, that 50 Cent, The 50th Law. And he's got a book, The Laws of Human Nature, that recently came out. This was a really fascinating conversation. But before we get into the episode, we have a sponsor. We have a sponsor. Kraken.com. If you have not gone to Kraken.com, you're being late. You're not helping us out. We need you to go to Kraken.com. You are being a no-coiner if you haven't went on Kraken.com and purchased some cryptocurrency. What the heck go, are you doing? Kraken.com. Go to Kraken.com. Help us help you. Go to Kraken.com. You can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, and any other cryptocurrency you want. They're awesome. We love them. They support us. We want to support you. So go to Kraken.com and go buy crypto there. And then Bryce will keep getting paid, keep creating great content. I'll keep coming on here and bugging the hell out of them. But let's get this episode <laughs> with Robert after you guys go to Kraken.com. Kraken.com. All right, Robert. So let's just start with kind of your story. Where did you grow up and kind of how did you get into uh, writing? I grew up in Los Angeles, California, where I'm born and raised. And I always sort of wanted to be a writer and I... After college, I tried my hand at various different forms of writing. I worked in New York as a journalist. I wandered around Europe as kind of a bum trying to write novels. I came back to Los Angeles. I worked in Hollywood trying to write uh, for, for screenplays and film. And nothing quite worked. So I was sort of like not sure about my future. And when I was around 35, 36, I met a man who designs and packages books. And he just asked me out of the blue if I had any idea for a book. And I kind of improvised what would turn into the 48 Laws of Power. He got very excited. And he said, you, you write a treatment for it. And I will pay you to live while you write half the book. And then we'll sell it. And so that worked. And then, then the rest is history. That sort of became uh, my ticket to success to being on your podcast here today. So what in your life led you to want to write the 48, 48 Laws of Power? Sorry. Well, um, you know, I had counted with my girlfriend how many different jobs I had had up until the time I wrote the book, and there were about 50 or 60 of them. And in those different jobs, I had, I had witnessed all kinds of incredible 
power games and manipulations. And the most extreme example was in Hollywood where people would pretend to be these really noble liberal people who are all into making a great film, but really it was all about power. And they would play these things that seemed like it was just out of the pages of Machiavelli from the 16th century. And I wrote the 48 Laws of Power because I was kind of angry. All of these self-help books, they're so tepid, they're so mild. They're all about how we're, we're all so wonderful. It's all about cooperating in the office, et cetera. And this reality, this dark side of any kind of office situation, any kind of group situation, nobody was writing it about it and it made me kind of angry. So I decided I was gonna reveal the secrets of power, what goes on behind closed doors, what I call the laws of power, so that everybody can have access to this information. How did you figure out those laws? Well, some of it was years of reading and some of it was experience, but then I did a lot of research. And the idea was I wanted to make the book kind of classic, something that would stand the test of time. And here it's 22 years, 22 years later and the book is selling better now than ever by basically grounding it in something universal. So I, I made sure that I had stories from China, from Africa, from all parts of the globe. I made sure that I covered all time periods, modern and ancient history, men and women, Blacks, African-Americans, et cetera. I wanted to make it a universal book because it has to do with subject that is timeless. People want power. They've always wanted power in their life. The feeling that you don't have any control of your destiny makes you miserable. It makes you do all kinds of weird, weird stuff. And so I wanted to write this book that would have this kind of universal appeal. And to do that, I had to do a lot of research, which I do for all of my books. I do. I read about two or 300 books just to write one book. Talk a little bit about the 33 strategies of war. Kind of what was the idea behind that book? Well, one of my favorite book is Sun Tzu's Art of War. I think it's a great book. Probably one of the greatest books ever written on strategy. But if you've ever read, read it, it's kind of abstract. Sometimes you don't really know how to apply it to your day-to-day -day life. So I wanted to write a book about strategy because it's something that fascinates me. I'm a kind of a sports junkie. Whenever I watch, when I was a kid, I watched a basketball game or a football game. I was always trying to figure out what, what are the strategies going on? Not, not the drama, but what is the coach thinking? How's, what's the strategy behind this particular kind of offense or whatever? But I wanted to approach strategy from this point of view of it's an art. It's a high form of creativity. And what makes people ineffective in their daily lives, in their work, in their relationships, is that they're bad strategists. They don't think ahead. They don't know how to have a goal and how to reach it. They don't know how to think strategically. And so I wanted to write this book that would educate people on this incredible history that comes from warfare, that comes from politics, and find a way so that it's relevant to your daily life. So the hero of the 33 strategies of war is Napoleon Bonaparte. He's like the greatest strategist that ever lived. And I wanted to take some of his classic maneuvers and ideas and make it relevant to your life as a business person or wherever, wherever you're working, et cetera. So that was sort of the idea behind the 33 strategies. Yeah, there's been a lot of celebrities and rappers responding to your book positively. What was it like for your strategies to reach those people with like influence and power? It was kind of weird. It was sort of like a, a strange trip. You know, um, here I was prior to writing this book, 
kind of a relatively poor guy in his mid thirties, living in a one bedroom apartment in Santa Monica, just kind of dreaming about power and doing research and writing this book. And then two years later, I'm hanging out with, you know, meeting Jay-Z, hanging out with 50 Cent. I end up writing a book with 50 Cent, doing a, you know, meeting Drake, et cetera. So it was very strange, you know, because I wasn't expecting it. I mean, I've always really liked rap. I've always really been heav heavily influenced by African-American culture, but I never quite foresaw that it would have that impact, but I was very happy about it. And the six months that I spent hanging out with 50 Cent to write the book, those are some of the most memorable period in my life. It was, you know, for a, from a, a white middle-class dude from Los Angeles, this was like, wow, what a journey I've been on. So that was pretty exciting. That would be a sight to see, Pop, for uh, 50 Cent just writing a book. Let's get this clear, though. How much of the writing did 50 Cent do versus you? He did like 50 Cent. What's that? <laughs> What's that? How much did 50 Cent actually do the writing? Like, how involved was he? Well, he was very much involved. It was kind of, we call it co-written, but basically I interviewed him in depth. He gave me complete access. I then told him what I thought the book should be about. And the book is about the power of being fearless in life. He agreed to that. We kind of came up with these sort of 10 categories of fearlessness. And then we discussed them in depth. And then I, you know, I did the writing, but I was constantly in contact with him, back and forth feedback. So it's definitely was a collaborative process. I didn't do it on my own. He was definitely there with his ideas and his stories and his analysis. And he told me, this is, this is a good story. This isn't what you should write about, et cetera. He was great to work with. You know? So that was the process. The reason why I asked Robert is 50 Cent is very smart, obviously, as you know, probably better than yeah. most. And he's very entrepreneurial, but there's this viral video that he has where he basically claims that Floyd Mayweather can't read and he bets him a bunch of money. And so, you know, I figured if he was an author, hopefully he wrote a little bit of the book as well himself. <laughs> oh, well, he's, he's definitely someone who reads a lot. You know, it's a little bit weird to beef with Floyd Mayweather. When I was hanging out with 50, they were at that time really good friends. And I went to a party at his house for his birthday party outside of Vegas. And that was one of the weirdest experiences of my journey with, with 50 Cent. Why? He reads, huh? Why was that so weird? What, what was going on at the party? Well, it was a, quite a wild party. I mean, I get in the, these SUVs, this caravan of SUVs from Vegas out like 30 miles out of Vegas. And a lot of people are kind of smoking weed. And I'm kind of getting this contact high just being in the car. <laughs> and then we get into this house. And I'm basically the only kind of white dude there. But everyone was very nice and it got kind of wild. People were, and then I met Floyd Mayweather himself. He wasn't the friendliest person in the world, but he was very intimidating. I wasn't going to pick a fight with him, let's put it that way. But there was 50, 50 was sitting in the corner and all the, you know, he doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't drink his whole life, which is strange because he was a crack dealer. You know, don't get high on, on your own supply is, is the saying, the hustler credo. He was sitting in the corner on a couch watching a, a football game or some television show. He's not like a partying party person. He's kind of, what? that's not his, that's not his, 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 his milieu. So it was kind of interesting to watch him in that setting and then see all these people, they're dancing, they're going crazy, they're drinking, they're getting high. 
it was just weird, you know. And 50 cents just watching like some football in the corner. Well, you learn something new every day. Football or a game show or something. I don't remember what it was. He likes to watch TV. Well, who doesn't? What what, what other uh, crazy things happened? You went to a crazy party at Floyd Mayweather's house for his birthday. Any other crazy things when you're hanging out with 50 Cent? I feel like there's more stories here. Well, I mean, some of the best stuff was getting to hang out with his the kids, the guys he grew up with in Southside, Queens. There's a guy named George is one of his oldest friends. And I got to actually like walk through the projects near where they grew up. That was pretty, you know, eye-opening. And then one time I, I recount the story in the 50th law. This was back in, I think, 07, somewhere around then. And he had a, a video coming out that he had recorded, I think with Robin Thicke. And it got released, leaked to the internet and got put on somehow, leaked somehow virally. And it kind of ruined the whole marketing campaign because they were going to roll it out slowly. And all the people around him were panicking. They were getting so angry. We we're going to sue somebody. We're going to do that. And he was like completely calm. And he said, okay, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create a story out of this. Okay, we're going to create this story that when 50 Cent heard this video got leaked, he got so angry that he ripped the, tele, the, the widescreen TV off, off the wall and smashed it into pieces. And he took his cell phone and he threw it at somebody and he banged on the table and he made a dent in it. And he said, and he said this all calm and said, okay, that's what we're gonna do. And then they went ahead and they did that. They took the, the big widescreen TV off the wall mounting, put it on the ground and they smashed it and they threw his cell phone. And he, in, in other words, he created a, an alternative story. And there was, instead of being passive, and letting the media say, oh, look how 50 Cent got, got joked here. You know, the, his, his video got released too early. He made the story about him, that he was so angry that this happened. And so he knows how to, how to suck in attention. He's really good at the media game. And he was, it was so cold-blooded. He wasn't angry at all. He was totally calm. He just came up with this kind of perfect strategy in the moment. I was very impressed by that. I have all sorts of stories, but those are the ones that stand out the most. Tell us about your new book, A Loss of Human Nature. Well, it came out a couple of years ago. It's basically the ultimate guide to understanding people. I mean, you could be brilliant at whatever you do, podcasting, you know, tech work, whatever. But if you don't know how to deal with people, you don't know how to deal with their weirdness, their egos, the games they play, all the shit that they, that they throw in your face, you're not going to get very far in life. You're going to constantly be making mistakes, getting in your own way, et cetera. And people can be difficult. They wear masks. They don't tell you what they're thinking, what they're feeling. They all say, oh, you look great today. I love your screenplay. Your podcast is the best. But at the same time, they're thinking quite the opposite. So I want to write a book that's going to give you like a guide. I call it a code book for deciphering human behavior. So this is how you're going to understand what people are really up to, including yourself, how to see the people who are full of envy and how they can ruin your life before you get involved with them, how to recognize aggressive people and passive aggressive people, how to recognize toxic narcissists, how to recognize all the toxic types out there so you can play defense and not get enmeshed in all of their dramas. So it's kind of the ultimate book to help you in all of your social interactions. And that's why I wrote it. Because I think in the age of the internet where we're all spending so much time with our smartphones, et cetera, people are losing the skill, interpersonal skills and, and the ability to read the psychology of other people. So I really wanted to help the everyday person there 
you know, up their game to another level when it comes to understanding human behavior. Well, I'm definitely checking out that book. Okay. <laughs> Robert, you've uh, written six yeah. international bestsellers. You've got The 48 yeah. Laws of Power, The Art of Seduction, The 33 Strategies of War, The 50th Law with our guy, 50 Cent. You've got Mastery and The Laws of Human Nature. If you could go back to being 21 years old and you were Bryce's age, what do you wish that you knew that you now know after this long storied career? I always, people ask me that question. I always say, I don't have any regrets. Everything that I did was, 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 was the right thing in the end. But the main thing was I had a life of adventure. I didn't like get all wrapped up in making a lot of money when I was 21. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to have adventure. I wanted to have experiences that would make me a writer. And I tell a lot of young people that the most important thing is to accumulate knowledge and skills and experience in life. Your 20s is your apprenticeship phase. You need to be learning, you need to be observing, and you don't get caught up in having, you know, the biggest audience or the or the or making the most money. To being open to having some adventure and have some fun. Because when you get in your 30s, all that stuff's kind of gone. You have to kind of settle down. And so my wandering around and kind of making my parents very nervous about me because I couldn't settle on a career, actually had a point to it. So I'm a great believer that everything, if you approach it correctly, everything in life is a learning experience. So even if I'm working at like a McDonald's, I'm observing people, I'm observing their nature, I'm learning about people. And so just to have the idea that feel like you have the opportunity to wander a little bit, to try things out. So for Bryce, if you have, you know, a different kind of podcast that you want to, you get a little bit bored with this, don't feel like you're locked into doing one thing. Try something different, try something new, a different kind of podcast or a different venture related to, to what, you're, what you're good at. But try different things because then what will happen when Bryce reaches the age of 30, he's done three or four, he's tried three or four different businesses. Some have failed, some have succeeded. He has so much experience and so much knowledge that he's gonna create something incredibly powerful by the time he's 30 or 31. Not to say that, that he's not powerful now, but the, this, we live in an age where the ability to combine different forms of skills, different forms of knowledges, knowledge is, is kind of the gold. And that's what's gonna to lead to true power. So it's, be willing to experiment and be open to adventure. And I was like that when I was young, fortunately, but I think a lot of people miss out on that when they're that age. That's great advice. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Robert, where can we send people to find you on the internet or find your books? Well, I have a, a website that I've had for God knows almost 20 years now. It's called power seduction and war.com. The and is spelled out power seduction and war.com. There you'll find links to all six of my books, to my Instagram, my Facebook accounts, to Twitter, and also an email address for, for reaching me if you want to send me nasty comments or whatever. So that's sort of, that's sort of the best place to, to go to. Robert, it sounds like you like the, uh, the trolls and the haters, man. I, I learned a lot. I learned how to have self-control and have a bit of humility. Yeah, I really love them. They spice things up for us all. All right. Well, Robert, listen, thank you so much. I think people are really going to enjoy this.
Well, thank you very much. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Bryce. Good luck to you. You're on your way. I'm gonna, in 10 years, you're gonna be you're gonna be a true man of power. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast again. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give the podcast five star rating, subscribe, and leave a review. Even if it's negative, we really don't care. <laughs> if you if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you guys next time for another podcast. Kraken.com. Kraken.com, though. Kraken.com. Don't forget to go to Kraken.com. Get your cryptocurrency now. Peace.